Warning, this podcast contains spoilers. Warning, this podcast contains spoilers. Let's go watch it in 2D. No, let's go watch it in 3D. But if we watch it in 3D, then is it worth the cost? Steven Spielberg presents Back to the Future, a Robert Zemeckis film. Marty leads an ordinary life. No McFly ever amounted to anything in the history of Hill Valley. Yeah, well, history is going to change. And 1985 is not his year. But Dr. Brown is about to change all that. Are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? He's sending Marty 30 years back in time. It works! It's a flying saucer from outer space! Now, he's trapped in the past. This has got to be a dream. About to meet... Chocolate. ...his future father. He's a peeping Tom. Wow! And he's making an impression on his mother. He's an absolute dream. And he can sleep in my room. Ah. Anything you do could have serious repercussions on future events. Ah! Now, he's got to make his mother and father fall in love. Surprise, I haven't even been born yet. And only Dr. Brown... <laughs> can help him get back to the future. Are you telling me that this sucker is nuclear? Precisely. Michael J. Fox. Whoa, this is heavy. Christopher Lloyd. There's that word again, heavy. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? Back to the future. Hello, hello, hello. This is Adolf, and I have with me the Jakes. Howdy. Hi, everybody. So, Classic Jake and New Jake are here, as you heard. Unfortunately, Krista and Kristen are not available. Um, I'll be getting some text messages from Kristen that I will be incorporating into this podcast. So this is Movie Club 2, and we're talking about Back to the Future 1. You guys voted for this, um, and we're going to talk about it. Now, obviously, this is not a 3D movie, so let's talk about that aspect first. Do you think this would movie would look good in 3D if they re-released it and upgraded it? No. Yeah, there's an awful lot of darks. They would have to um, really screw with the cinematography uh, because there's a lot of really like um, when like when Marty uh, comes back and lands in the old uh, field and hits the pine tree. That would look terrible. It's just way too dark. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to talk about spoilers. I mean, it's a 30 year old movie. Come on. <laughs> yeah if you haven't seen this movie yet stop this watch it we'll be here yeah mm-hmm. take a pause put the pause button on the podcast rewatch it so for me the 3d i think it really wouldn't it wasn't really filmed in that way uh, visually i think the only scene that could have been really cool in 3d was the skateboard scene but that really would have had to been filmed in 3d because, you know, having those perspectives and uh, angles could have been more fun. But that one skateboarding scene is like, what, two minutes in the movie? You know. Uh, I think the only thing that would work would be the time travel sequences when the DeLorean lights up. That's really the only time I think it would pop. Yeah, I mean, it could have lightning or, or some things. But for the most part, I don't think that, you know, some movies you look at it and be like, okay, that looks like it could have been great in 3D. But they never did it. You know, um, right. a good example of that is Spider-Man 2 with Tobey Maguire. 
oh man, there's so many times in that movie where things are flying off the screen, so many things floating around, so many things in the background. Oh, it would have been gorgeous in 3D. But do you have any other examples, uh, classic Jake, of movies that were not in 3D but actually would have worked if they'd done it in 3D? Oh, there's all sorts of uh, of uh, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm. Could you imagine that rolling ball and running from the arrows and being it's, in the plane? Snakes! It's good. Uh, any of the Indiana Jones would be fantastic in 3D. Mm-hmm. But I particularly think Raiders would look, especially, so many scenes would have worked really well in 3D. Uh, at the end, when they're, don't, Marion, don't look when they're opening up the prize. Yes. And the melting well, face. What about, the, what about the gophers in Indy 4, though? Those would look yeah. amazing in 3D. <laughs> yeah. I mean, any of them would look, would look great. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of other Zemeckis' movies that would look great in 3D. He's done lots of stuff in 3D. Mm-hmm. But, like, Rolling the Stone would have looked great in 3D. All right. Uh, yeah. new, new Jake, do you got any specific examples or no? Oh, geez. Uh, besides the original Raimi Spider-Man trilogy, um, maybe... Uh, oh. Maybe the Schumacher Batman movies, but they're also so dark that I don't think they'd work. They're also colorful, so I, I can't think of any off the top of my head, really. Maybe uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Yeah. All right, so let's go back to Back to the Future. Um, now, the story here uh, Marty McFly is a young boy, uh, 16, 17, I don't know. <laughs> 17. Yeah. Uh, he's- He's a he's a Hollywood twenty five year old teenager, yeah, um, and he's working with Doc. And um, why is a, a middle aged man working with a child? Who knows? Pedophilia. Yeah. <laughs> um, the movie does start in a fun way with all these ticking clocks, and like they show you some uh, newsreels and stuff to kind of give you some background and be like, oh, plutonium was stolen. Oh, uh, you know, clock's ticking. Oh, you see that the dog isn't there, that Marty is gone, you know. you see, It's a great exposition, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it works. I actually really like it. It's simple, it's effective, you know, it gets you into the story. Mm-hmm. And if paying attention, it kind of creates some suspense, too, because you know this plutonium that you see this thing up container is going to come to bed. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's going to come bite them in the ass. Oh yeah. And they even have like a thing on the wall with, um, uh, they say the, the doc inherited some money or something uh, that kind of explains why he could do these things or there was some kind of fire or something that happened. You know, the, the, it has it enough there that you could kind of get a sense of things. And, you know, doc is like, Oh, we gotta, you know, you gotta come by record me. Uh, I got an experiment to do at one o'clock at the at the mall, and um, they go. He goes over there, and then the they experiment, which time travel. He figures out time travel, and he sends his dog into the future one minute, um, which is like really you send your dog to the future. That's kind of messed up. You should like, send a teddy bear. A <laughs> teddy bear. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. think, I think he needed a, t- a live test subject to see if a human could travel through time or uh, a living being through time. Uh, I, I hate to say this, but in 1985, people just didn't give a shit about animals like they do now. Yeah. 
I mean, that's the brutal, that's the brutal truth about that moment. I mean, it is, they could have gone scientific and had, like, a mouse or a guinea pig and be like, okay, this is a scientific experiment, you know, and, you know, people don't care that much about guinea pigs versus a dog or a cat. <laughs> no. But Einstein was a cute test subject, and it worked. <laughs> I'm yeah. glad it worked. Yeah, thank God it worked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, the he, apparently Doc stole the uranium, which is kind of dates the movie, but he bought it from uh, a Libyan national terrorist, yes. Yeah. And then they come back to shoot him up, and they apparently know where the hell he's going to be. What a cock of the morning. Yeah, so we've got a so we've got some um like extras in brownface being terrorists. Yeah, and of course, you know how the hell would they know where he is? <laughs> you know that he's at that mall. Movie's got a movie, and this is also a small town. So I take it that they were just driving around because at the end when they when they see him, you can tell they're in their little VW bug driving around. I I mean. Maybe maybe they had their lines tapped. I don't know, but go ahead. <laughs> um, so the, you know, Marty's like, "Oh no, he's dead." Oh, oh, I gotta go. I I could use this to leave, and then he leaves, and then he goes back in time, and then he's like, "Oh, I have a time machine. I could go back and save him and reward him." But he didn't know he was going back to the nineteen fifties, and he goes back to the nineteen fifties and sees how things are in Hilldale back then. Mm-hmm. Hill Valley. Yeah, just- yeah, and he makes his first big change because the mall is a is a Twin Pines, and then when he goes back to where the mall was, he runs over one of the pine uh, one of the pine trees. Lone Pine Mall. Yep. It's, 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 I like that kind of consistency to it. It's tight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the yeah. continuity is fantastic. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And like the, he appears in some uh, barn in the barn. You know, the the whole family decides to go investigate instead of just the dad. <laughs> yeah. uh, the dad has a shotgun, but the kid has a comic book. <laughs> the greatest defense ever. <laughs> Super convenient comic book. Oh, it's just like this comic book, see? Yeah. <laughs> hey, you better watch out for those paper cuts. I mean, maybe you would have bled to death. <laughs> but the, the guy who owns the farm... I think it's the same guy who's in Silent Night, Deadly Night as the the scary grandpa. So watching Back to the Future now, I always think about that, and it's very unsettling now. I don't know if anybody's noticed that. No. Uh, no. <laughs> no. I've just caught things like uh, uh, like Billy Zane and... Oh, yeah. <laughs> With hair. Yeah, he's one of the... <laughs> and, and Casey Simesco. You know, yes. they're... Uh, the, uh, Biff, uh, Biff's goons. Yeah, Biff's. Yeah, Biff's goons. Here, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tom Wilson doesn't really get to shine in this one. Uh, Biff is just, just a character. I mean, he's, I mean, you, he's like guy you love to hate, but he really goes. He really gets to shine in the sequels. Yes, but, but he does that, a great job here as a teenager, as a forty-something, and <clears throat> as a as a meek and mild man. So. Yeah, I, I think he does pretty decent here. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of tough to steal a movie from Crispin Glover. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Crispin Glover is the glue that 
really makes this movie shine. He his performance in this is incredible. Yeah, he's he's actually controlled enough to make him really work without standing out like a sore thumb. It's it's quite good <laughs> job on the uh, uh, Zemeckis' part that he managed to do that. Mm-hmm, exactly. And and one of the things that really makes this movie work is the reaction shots. So this thing yeah. is not only is the continuity tight, but they get these great reactions. They cut to they just cut to reaction, and it's it's perfect because it just you just laugh. You can't help yourself. You're going to laugh at this movie. You're going to oh, yeah. chuckle. You know, this movie is a feel-good movie. Mm-hmm. And other actors come back, and they reprise their roles as old version and young version. And I think that's an inspired choice. Except mm-hmm. for Crispin Glover. That's the only one they couldn't get back, and he changed Hollywood history because of that. Yeah. Well, they also um, couldn't get back... Um, Claudia Wells uh, dropped out because uh, her mother was sick or grandmother. Yeah. I can't remember. And Lee Tom- and um, uh, Elizabeth uh, uh, took Elizabeth over. Elizabeth yeah. Yeah. But Jennifer was if, – if this movie has a weak spot, and it has a few, uh, I would say the character of Jennifer. She's I mean, fairly inconsequential in the trilogy, though. Yeah, exactly. She's completely – she shouldn't have even been – in the movie, the character shouldn't have even existed. It's it's motivation for Marty to get back, so he has a girl, you know. Besides missing his family, but I know, yeah. but the uh, but it's uh, it's just such a um, sexist trope. She's like a like a trophy. Yeah, it, it just is kind of there for no point. Besides, yeah. you know, oh, we got to come back and look at how pretty she is, and it's just kind of whatever. It's not really. It didn't need to happen. Uh, but I, I like that the characters, you know, are in the past and the future. That's what I was getting at. And that they use makeup mm-hmm. to age them up. Makeup works pretty well. It, it, it's not as good as it could have been back then, but it's pretty damn good. Yeah, for so, 85, it was fantastic. So makeup was great at the time. It just hasn't held up. Uh, but the thing is, the reason it works even now in the movies is because the performances are so strong. I mean, yeah. Lee something kills it as Lorraine. Yes. Is the mom. I mean, when she's on the prowl for her son, the howling, <laughs> I mean, it's like, oh my God. Whoa, this is heavy. And I'm like going. <laughs> I mean, even seeing her drunk in 40 something when she's only 21 was yeah. quite well done. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I liked how, like you said, we, it's a very tight script. Like they, they really make it masterful how they connect everything. Like they tell you about. Um, the clock tower and the lightning strike, and they give you a, a flyer, and that flyer is what the that Marty gets, which then he goes back in time with, so he has something physical to take with him. And you know, his girlfriend does give him his phone number, which I would think he would have her phone number already. Their boyfriend, and girlfriend, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, that, that's for his grandma. Uh, that's for her grandmother's house. That's why he uh, she gave her the phone number. Okay, because I was like, why would he have it already? You know. <laughs> yeah. But he does have a flyer. He does take some things back in time with him, which um a flyer for the lightning strike and then a picture of his family, which is a really generic kind of weird picture. And uh the whole thing the with Walkman. The, the Walkman, um and the picture the whole thing with the picture, uh with the parts of them disappearing uh I think that doesn't work. 
it's it's a great uh, running clock i think it's just like you know the time it's like it's a great reminder to be like uh i got this amount of time and if i don't do it i'm history so i, I think it's perfect for what it is you also have to remember this is an era of filmmaking uh the most prominent time travel movie time travel stories are um a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court and the Time Machine. So the science, they were trying to make dumb this down enough so a general audience could follow it and not get confused with all the time travels stuff. And it works. It works wonderfully. I mm-hmm. I, I think either dis- the, the people disappear entirely or not at all. I don't like the, oh, half of them had disappeared. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> half of them had disappeared. Just... It's, 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 a per- it's a perfect sand timer, though. It's just like, okay, you see the sand slowly disappearing. I know that's not probably how it would really work in reality if time travel existed, but it, it gets the point across. Yeah. It gets the point across. I just, I'm not a big fan of it. It's just like, it, I liked it, but now looking at it now, it's like, they could have done that a little bit better, a little bit. You know, maybe not, like I said before, not have the half of the body disappear. Have them all disappear. You know, yeah. have uh, that could have been, okay, that, that, you know, you check the photo and the photo, one guy is gone, another guy is still there, or this guy is gone, and everything else is the same. And that would have been a better a way of doing it without being that corny. But, okay. Yeah. Z- you have to remember, Zemeckis is an effects guy. He's going to take the, uh, he's going to, his he his first choice of uh, solving an issue in a movie is going to be using an effect to do it. True, but inventively. Uh huh. Exactly. I mean, he's made his. I mean, he's the other R and D guy in Hollywood. Um, Cameron wasn't the only one. No, but Zemeckis was kind of sort of the first ones to really include it into dramatic storytelling to get the effect across, and it shows that he does a great job for the most part. Yep. Now, one thing that's interesting about this movie is that, at least for me, I've seen it like 10, 20 times, um, if not more. And I've seen it a lot on TV. And it feels like on TV, they took out all the cursing, which I kind of forgot about all the cussing. They say shit a ton on this movie. (laughs) And um, it's really pervy. It's really pervy. He's a peepee cop. I mean... Uh Yeah, this is one of the movies that uh, people were wa- about the PG rating because uh, a, a movie that's similar to this that came out a year later, uh, in some ways, I think is actually even though the screenplay isn't as good, in some ways is a better movie. Uh, Peggy uh, Sue got married with Nicolas Cage and Jim yeah. Carrey, and uh, it it got a PG thirteen, and it has a lot less swearing. <laughs> well. Does it have like a higher sexuality though? Yeah, I would say that it's 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 also not Francis Ford Coppola was also not making the, is a family movie. Yeah, it's like one of the I only mean, few times he's done that. <laughs> yeah, well, besides <laughs> Nick Cage, but you know. yeah, I can well I can remember when this movie came when it came out because people were screaming he was a sellout for making this little sci-fi movie. Yeah. But he didn't care. He never cares. Okay, we mentioned about the pervy aspect, and that's how that uh, you know, 
Marty t- goes back in time and he stops his dad from being a perv from getting run over by the car and that changes the events of history and um it, it's still weird it's like why would uh, okay why would she be in the in the bedroom and have his pants off already <laughs> what what well, is she, she's also equally horny so it's kind of a good perfect counterbalance to the peeping tom aspect so yeah it's just it's weird because like why would she be seen his underwear what the hell's going on there that we didn't see before the scene? Oh, yeah. she she probably undressed him when they put him into bed. No. Mm-hmm. Seeing him and in the, his Calvin Klein underwear. Klein, <laughs> yeah, because this is back in the days when everybody wrote their uh, name in their underwear and on their socks and stuff. Why would they do that? Okay, you would do that because when you would go to camp, usually your parents, if you were of certain economic advantage, uh, you would go to camp every summer for two weeks. And because washers and dryers were so expensive and to run and to use at the time, uh, they would do everybody's laundry together. And so to keep it all straight, you would have your name. Oh, okay. Okay. This is, there's a lot of little details like that about the early 60s that probably don't translate well to the t- to modern era because the technology has made it moot. Okay, that's interesting, because I never knew that. I was like, what the hell? Why would people write their name in underwear? I mean, okay. <laughs> that's why. Okay. And also, underwear used to cost a lot more than it does now. Huh. Mm. Uh, if you're a big person like me, uh, it's still expensive. <laughs> yeah. So, Marty's trying to find, you know, they, they think he, he, he talks to the old doc, and then I love the game where it's like, you're from the future. Then who's the president? And it says Ronald Reagan. And that's really funny because back then he was a D-list actor, you know, that you would not suspect would be president. Just like if you would go back in time 25 years from today and tell someone that Trump is president, they would laugh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the order of the deal oh, guy? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, there's all sorts of people want to remake back to... Of course, you know Zemeckis and Gale, the two guys who did this, you know, writers and directors. Two Bob, yeah. Yeah, they've already said, uh, as long as they're alive, there will not be a, they will not be a remake of Back to the Future. There doesn't need to be a remake because it's perfect almost as and, is. Uh, but I can understand. Uh, I say, look, do what they did. Take inspiration from it and come up with your own thing. They did this because they wanted the rights to some other time travel uh, work, and they couldn't get them. So yeah. they did their own thing. So do your own thing. I mean, that's what uh, Sam Raimi did with Darkman. He couldn't get the rights to the shadow, so he made Darkman a mm, better movie. Yeah, and uh, and Star Wars, because Lucas couldn't get the rights to Flash Gordon or Buck Rogers. And, thank God. <laughs> and, of course, it, it, you, you can say that this does inspire, which is obviously inspired because it's so obvious to anyone that knows uh rick and morty exactly yeah. oh man yeah pretty crazy huh but, but it doesn't matter because none of this has anything to do with the show morty mm-hmm. and rick and morty doesn't do time travel <laughs> but it's very much a similar concept instead of time travel you know rick has a uh, a portal gun or whatever so they have their you know spaceship and they go have the portal gun, and they can do whatever. And it is weird going back and watching this after watching Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. It, it does, but I mean, they still stand on their own merits. So 
but it, it does kind of intertwine a tiny bit for me. Mm-hmm. I expected Morty or Ma- Marty to say, "Oh, geez," but he never did. Oh, jeez, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> His name is Emmett Brown. Damn it, not Rick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Christopher Lloyd's finally grown into the part because I mean. He is just, he's finally old enough now to be Doc Brown. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, he's like in his 80s, and he's the perfect age now to be actual Doc Brown without makeup. <laughs> yeah. And then we mentioned him before, but I'll say it again. You know, it's it's also weird to see, you know, Biff here, which was actually, they did confirm it was inspired by Donald Trump. And it's, it's hard, you know, knowing the Donald Trump era and then having Biff and seeing, oh, yeah, this is just like him. <laughs> and it, it's really weird, especially going into the second movie, which we're not going to talk about right now. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it is really weird because, like, it, it so is Trump. So is Trump from the 80s, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a stretch when he's back a, as a teenager in the 50s. But in the second movie, yeah, definitely. It's Trump 100%. Mm-hmm. So um, they go to the school. Eventually, Doc and Marty go to the school and try to figure fix things so that way they go back. To the, his parents go back together, and like um, so in the school, no one ever says, "Who the hell are you? Why are you here? Why is there an old man with you? <laughs> Who is this guy?" <laughs> I, I guess they get away with it because they're white, but I mean, come on, yeah, yeah, basic, and they're male. <laughs> <laughs> Don't listen to no dame. Give you a smack on the face. <laughs> but, you know, seriously, though, they're in a high school, and they don't belong to that high school. Why? The principal caught them and be like, who the hell are you? Get out of here. <laughs> you know? I mean, the, the 50s were a lax time, you know? Well, campuses were a lot um, more open. I mean, this is a time period. I think there'd only been one major school attack in in this time period. That was Wasn't a, that at a uh, college? No, it was a school. It was an elementary school. Uh, a guy oh, okay. protesting taxes uh, blew up a, a school, killing himself and a whole bunch of kids. Jesus, that's dark. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, and it was only news for like two days. Yeah, Americans <laughs> didn't obsess with shit like this. They just yeah. moved on. And mm-hmm. then, uh, then in the 40s, they had a principal get pissed off and shot up uh, his school. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's some damn commies that McCarthy warned us about. <laughs> yeah. So, so schools were there weren't a lot of kids being kidnapped from schools and stuff yet. That was it was starting to happen. It was a, it was a couple of years after Back to the Future before they started cracking down on campuses. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I just think in any school, if like someone. You know, especially the principal, which he seemed like he was pretty on top of it. You know, he was right, you know, a little bit after things happened, but he was there, you know, walking around the halls. You would think he'd be like, hey, where the hell, who are you? I don't know who you are, you know. Hey, but- I mean, I mean, I guess they're there to register him, I guess, but it does kind of go like, okay, it is creepy territory a little bit, especially in hindsight. But- um, So... We, you know, they do get the whole thing with the band and that, that you know, Marty's trying to teach his dad about um, how to be, I guess, more confident. And like if, if he, Marty does go out with Lorraine and he's a jerk, then he could stop it from happening and then be the hero, which ugh, that part kind of is, is kind of dated. 
Oh, well, well, the whole, there's a lot of stuff about this movie that's dated, and and some of the politics of Zemeckis and Gale come out. I mean, they're obviously uh, Californian Republicans, but besides that, it's still a great script. Uh, I don't have to agree with the uh, philosophy of of it or anything. I mean, it's still it's still a great script, it's still a great movie. Uh, but Zemeckis and Gale, they're actually lifelong Democrats, and he, uh, Zemeckis is from weird. Illinois. So. That's really weird, though, because the the politics of this movie are so so much in the in the, in the Reaganites and the well, whole. Well, it's because thing. it takes place in 1985, dead center exactly. of Reaganomics, so that's and, probably why. And the movie before uh, Zemeckis made before Back to the Future used cars. I mean, it takes such a dig at Carter. Uh, I saw this in a theater in Atlanta, and I thought the whole audience was going to die at that Carter joke. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just it's, it, it kind of makes sense because I mean, you could be a Democrat and still not agree with your president or whatever. So I mean, uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I just thought it was just so interesting. Uh, I mean, I really uh, take notice when things more to the right. Uh, enter a movie because hollywood is traditionally so everybody says it's so leftist and i'm like going really i point to back to the future and i mean it's i mean it sells the capital because i mean at the end everybody seems their success is is shown by uh their capital you know their success in their new careers as opposed to what they were doing before yeah Yeah, but i mean they're much happier as people though because Uh you know Lorraine wasn't potentially raped by Biff, and uh, George is a stronger person because he has confidence, and he is actually to you know not be a meek and wallflower yeah. person. And they also have an open relationship with each other, talking because they know Marty's going to the uh, lake with his girlfriend Jennifer. They're open. Oh, yeah. to- He's not having to sneak around. Well, I, th- I think it's because Lorraine, at that point, she had been probably sexually molested or taken advantage of and it was just like oh it's probably my fault because i was such hot stuff and after that she became an alcoholic because this isn't what my life wanted to be i'm young with kids and i I think it's because she became more accepting because with george it's like okay i could be young and like oh young relatively but Mm -hmm. i could be you know hot stuff and sexually Uh advanced you know so Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, and when uh, George had the epiphany, and he, with a, no prompting, on his own, stood up to Biff and took him out. Well, because he I, knew what the right thing to do was. He had that confidence, and even if he lost, I mean, Lorraine would probably still be with him, maybe, but she'd probably still be potentially violated sexually. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, we're talking about some serious stuff here, and it, you yes. kind of, you know... Yes, it is hard to talk about this stuff. The thing is, this movie does does go there, and if you you yes. know if you don't pay attention, you don't see it that way. But you're absolutely right. Biff would have raped um, Lorraine back then. If oh then, yeah, I mean he most certainly did in the ultra or the original timeline. Yeah, I mean because mm-hmm. she's an alcoholic, she's drinking straight up vodka. Mm-hmm. Oh, and what's even more horrifying is Biff would have gotten away with it. Oh yeah, I mean he's he's gotten away with uh, like mm-hmm. George doing his work and stuff. It's yeah, he, he's totally dominating. Uh huh. And Lorraine would have been blamed for it. Oh yeah, it would have been seen as her fault. 
And she that's probably that's what I've always seen. That's why she was drinking and stuff. Because oh, yeah. something horrible happened to her and she mm-hmm. was and either she made sure nobody knew about it, she kept it secret and, and it killed her inside, or other people did know about it and they shamed her about it. I mean, like she she's not working out in the like the first fifteen minutes, like she's overweight, she's aged, she's not wearing makeup, but still Biff still kinda has the hots for her because he's like, Say hi to your mom for me, so no matter what she does, she can't escape the the strong arm of Biff. It's really saddening in this timeline. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it, it's interesting when you when you go a little bit deeper in. Like it really is a much you know it's played off as a fun, lighthearted family movie, but it really isn't. <laughs> it's pretty dark. Uh, there's, there's some darkness. Uh, I mean, it's not as dark as let's say oh the second one in this trilogy. No, I mean they're they're all PG related, but they still go to some dark territory. Mm-hmm. Even though it's still portrayed as light entertainment, it still has oh my god, there's that dread that's within. It's got, it's got some substance to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's more than just a fun little adventure. There's there's deepness to this, and um, you know some of it is uh, imagining oh what can you change history, and how much of it is oh am I going to ruin my own history and you know, it, it, it's some deep stuff, and they mentioned deep a couple of times, and you know, heavy is a key word, and it, it is heavy. It is a heavy movie. It just people kind of played off because it's become pop culture that it's a, a fun, lighthearted movie, but it really isn't that fun and lighthearted. Yeah, no. I mean, the the adventure stuff is still adventurous and fun, but when you mm-hmm. start looking at the film deeper than that, then it's like, oh my god, <laughs> what have I gotten into? Yeah, and then and then then there's some to get it a little lighter. Uh, and the, is that I really one of the things one of the throwaway things in this movie I always liked was the political campaigns opposed to 1960 and uh, 1985. They're using the same bullshit tropes and statements. You know, ch- I mean nothing's changed. They're still campaigning. Big, and of course those. Um, and 85 was about the end of uh, when they guys were driving around with the megaphones on their cars campaigning. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty much only a small town would be doing that by 85. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, it, it kind of makes sense, uh, even in 85, because it was the best way to get the word out besides spending money to be on TV. But mm-hmm. in 85, I mean, like just driving around with a, a loudspeaker, it's it's perfect. Uh, it, you know, it, it kind of sets the mood and the setting and the time period precisely. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. Beautiful. And it's and like I said, it was still used in in small towns. Cause oh like, yeah, when because I, Hill Valley is a small uh, <laughs> valley town, so mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, one thing that makes a lot of sense is how they use foreshadowing. Um, it's really brilliant. How many times? You know, this is a movie you watch multiple times and you get multiple things out of it each time. Like, you know, we do mention that Marty is in a band called The Pinheads, and he plays music that's too loud. And, you know, we never hear about the rest of The Pinheads after this point, but whatever. Um, <laughs> that comes back when Marty does his solo routine. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then- great Ramones reference there. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Marty, his mom says that he basically is a nun. You know, when he's talking about Lorraine in the or in the future and the present, I guess. And then there's plutonium missing on the radio. There's a grandpa getting hit by a car. There's World Series, you know, talk. 
there's a lot of these foreshadowing events that really come back around and really just make a, a circle. And I think having that closed loop in that universe over and over again, it, it just nails it, I think. That's what makes it so mm-hmm. much fun that it's like, hey, they got this tight. This is a tight movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. It must have taken forever because, it, like, I read some of the previous drafts and it was a lot darker than what it is now. It was just really weird and it was refrigerators <laughs> and then, a, like, just all this weird different stuff before it got to the best version we got now. Yeah, and I guess we should discuss Eric Stoltz a little bit. Oh, do we have to? <laughs> uh, just go briefly. We got other things to talk about. Look, uh, uh, he was famously... Uh, let go from being Marty McFly. It, uh, he, he's still and, in the movie a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, I think some of it has been digitally changed because it was more noticed because this is the first time I'd seen it streaming. Cause mm-hmm. before I'd, uh, I think they, I think they tweaked it for the second DVD release. Cause the first one was an, unmitigated disaster uh the 4k is is the original and i still notice eric stoltz diving into the car as one of the most notable ones but it's still there maybe for the streaming who knows okay because i didn't it did it looked a little different yeah and then kristen glover having a controversy with this movie too that they didn't pay him for parts that he would do in part two they just recycled him and he did get a lawsuit and that did eventually work itself out but yeah, mm-hmm. there's some interesting back of the scenes stuff to this mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, but but they worked uh, with would... the, uh, he worked with Zemeckis later on though, so I guess they patched those feelings up pretty fast. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, it was he he at the time was 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 saying like he did it because his friend Eric Stoltz was in it, and he wanted to go when they when he left, he wanted to leave, but then decided he made a deal. What the hell? It's a good script. I'll do it anyway. Yeah. Um. So other little things I want to throw out there. There is a character that what that has 3D glasses on him at all times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think his uh-huh. name is X-Ray, if I'm not mistaken. No, uh, 3D is what he's 3D, doing. 3D, that's right. <laughs> uh, and he wears two different 3D glasses. He wears a, uh, a an anaglyphic pair, and he wears a polarized pair. I the remember the polarized to, pair. Yeah, the easiest way to tell them apart is one says... 3D on them and the other one doesn't. Uh, on the big screen, it's noticeably because one has dark lenses and the other one has uh, red and blue lenses. Right. Okay. And obviously, we do not recommend anyone wear 3D glasses outside of the movie they're watching <laughs> for extended period of time. <laughs> no, uh, they, they, they won't uh, protect your eyes. <laughs> no, they will not. Uh, and you cannot stare at a uh, an eclipse with them either. They won't make nope, you nope. eclipse 3D man or whatever. <laughs> No, it will not, and you'll probably burn your corneas out. But honestly, though, th- wearing 3D glasses outside and regular everyday things is not a good idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. No. Now, now, there are eye things. Uh, like, they used to do for certain stigmatism and stuff, have you wear red and blue glasses. Huh. It was a 50s thing. Maybe that's why he did it. He just couldn't afford the... Exactly. The, the money for the doctor, so he just uh, got a comic book. And, because uh, that's why, um, in Twin Peaks, uh, Doc, the Doc that's played by Russ Tamblin has the red and blue glasses on. Oh, that makes perfect sense. I was wondering about that. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> it's something that was debunked 
by the 70s. That's being of no medical value whatsoever. Okay. Well, that makes perfect sense for Twin Peaks. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's and that's probably and there's a good and that's probably why this guy's wearing them in this. Okay. And nobody's making fun of him for doing it. All right. I, I think he was just being kind of cute and like, oh, look at me wearing my 3D glasses everywhere kind of thing. I, mean, I don't know. Who knows? Um, that, so there's one part where uh, Doc says he wants to, he dreams of going into the future and he says 25 years into the future, which is 2010 at that point. And then he does go um, actually, you know, 30 years into the future um, for the sequel, um, which it was never intended to be a trilogy. Like it, it was a kind of a, I think people kind of forget about this, but this is kind of a, a cinematic thing. Um, you guys can t- verify this. It's it's meant to have there will be adventures, but you are not going to see it. It's a playful kind of thing that the story is not completely finished, but it's not really meant to be a tease for the next movie. It's never been that way. Yeah, if it flops, you got a one complete movie. Yeah, franchises weren't really a thing again. Because uh, fra- Hollywood made lots of franchises until uh, television. And then movies became more one and done. They didn't do yeah. serial because television t- scratched that itch of serial entertainment. Uh, but it started changing because, you know, Star Wars, you know, plan- there were exceptions. You know, the Planet of the Apes series, mm-hmm. James Bond, uh, Star Wars. But this was... But you know what I'm saying that they never like a lot of times movies would have things that oh we're what you know next adventure is coming but it's not really meant to be a, a way to get a sequel it's more just a way to kind of playfully say the adventures continue you know yeah like who, who knows what's going to happen should it happen you know it's and it did and glad for it but I mean if it was one and done it'd be a great film by itself I mean mm-hmm, exactly. So, other things uh, to note. Um, so, they use a DeLorean in this movie, and DeLorean was a um, very bad car choice because <laughs> this car gets stalled out so many times. It's oh, and- yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, yeah. There's too many electrical problems with those cars, and the hydraulics would freeze up. It was a mm-hmm. bad car. Uh, so the reason he was using it, uh, story-wise, is because... They were practically giving those cars away. Yes, and uh, the stainless steel construction helped with the flux capacitor, but that was it. <laughs> See, I know people that before Back to the Future that actually bought DeLoreans to mess with, because you could get one for under a thousand bucks. Oh yeah, now they're fifty thousand dollars for a used one. Uh huh, and they're rarer, not made up as a Back to the Future car. Right. Yeah, it's hard to believe that there's some out there that's not back yeah, to the future. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because everybody I know has got one wound up converting them to a back to the future car. And I can't blame them. I can't blame them one bit. Yeah, because they can make money. <laughs> yes. And, you know, the, the DeLorean, you know, it was it really considered that bad of a car? Like, I know it's a plot device. But just like, come on. Multiple times. It, it breaks down. It's like. You, you yeah, a- they were. Considered a bad car, but that was because Delorean was considered a bad businessman. Okay, <laughs> yeah, but like I know that they had to change the engine out because the original engine was 
weak and it wouldn't even be able to get up to 88 miles an hour. They they had to do so many things and they still kept on failing because uh, if you notice that he keeps on hitting his head uh, whenever he's driving the DeLorean, those weren't uh, on purpose. Those were accidental because the hydraulics, <laughs> weren't, they weren't working. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, other things here. Why does uh, Doc have a gigantic speaker in his office? For Marty to lure him over for his uh, activities. <laughs> he did warn him to not mess with it, but he uh, gets too message. little, too late. <laughs> yeah, but that mm-hmm. speaker is massive. It's like bigger than a movie speaker would be right now. Yeah, that's bigger than any uh, box speaker almost. Well, speaker technology was a lot bigger. I mean, today you could make a speaker that powerful, probably the size of your fist. Right. Um, does it hold up? Yeah, it holds up a lot. I think it holds up yeah. really well. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's perfectly 80s, but it holds up. Yeah, and the effects hold up, too. Uh, except for the floating hand whenever he's yeah. about to disappear. I hated that. Well, that's an optical effect. It looked like shit then. And <laughs> also, whenever uh, Doc is uh, standing in the fire, whenever the DeLorean uh, dissipates and leaves the fire trail and uh, Doc turns around and he's clearly in the fire trail. That's also something that I wish they would fix. Yeah. So did Doc bribe the cop? Because there's a scene where the cop pulls him over and is like, so what are you doing here? And Oh, you know, yeah. And like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a deleted scene that it shows him paying him off with, uh, I think, a couple of 20s, if I'm not mistaken. He just He's like, oh, on your way. Here's your permit. <laughs> yeah, that was... Uh... That was just the way things were done. Don't have a permit, yes. you just give them money. Yeah. Um, we're not going to get too much into the other movies here, um, but I, I do overall really like the universe it created. Like it, I like the cartoon. The cartoon was good. and um, Yeah. It, the video game was really good. Mm-hmm. Well, and, which one? <laughs> oh, the Telltale one. <laughs> not the <laughs> NES one. <laughs> And um, the 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 it really stood up for the you know the how time travel would work in a movie how this movie did it basically how this franchise set it up became a new norm of time travel you know mm-hmm. it, until eventually Avengers Endgame kind of crapped all over it but <laughs> it's it's not the first movie to crap all over time travel believe me. The thing is, uh, it's all theory. Of course, some guys say the reason 2020 is messed up is because somebody in the future figured out time travel, and that's why 2020 is so messed up. (laughs) I think it's just happenstance. Yeah, I don't don't think time travel's happened yet in the future. No. Our former editor, James, did have a theory that Trump was a time traveler, so that's... (laughs) Oh, God. So that would explain the worst worst time traveler ever. (laughs) That would explain a lot, actually. He he could go back in time and make himself a better businessman. I mean, that's a very shitty theory on his part. No offense, James. I never met you, but damn, that's half-cooked at best. (laughs) Yeah, I think he would start taking Rogaine or something if he cares so much about his hair. Oh, yeah. I don't want three-foot-long sideburns combed over. Hell no. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, over, oh, Doc's death is never bloody. Like, they shoot him up on a machine gun, and there's no blood at all. Uh-huh. Uh, PG, that's all I can say. No, I just think that was the, 
that was a clue that we should have known he had a bulletproof vest on. Or the first, yeah, second I mean, time. But yeah, in the second time, but not the first one. They just probably it's PG. They couldn't show probably any blood besides maybe a nosebleed or something. So who 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 the hell knows? Actually, in a PG movie, you can actually show a lot of blood. And that's even in 1985. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You could maybe pop- it's a thematic license. You could even get away with a brief nudity. Or a head exploding like in the Dan Jones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. Uh, it was it was sexuality would get you into more trouble than violence. You gotta remember this is a puritanical America. Was the airplane right. PG th- uh, PG and it had boobies on like a couple shots and stuff too? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, Beetlejuice was a PG, and it had the word fuck in it, so that's... Yeah. And, uh, and, Andromeda is, and Andromeda Strain is G, and there's several bare breasts in it, and uh, all the president's men, men is PG and has an F-bomb. Yeah, it's just like censors and ratings are weird. Uh-huh, exactly. It's, it's weird that we watch this movie on TV, and like... They're able to not like get all pissy about it being on TV, and they're able to cut out the the too perverted stuff, and you know, it's weird. So, what would you give this as a score? It's hard to score it because it's it's one of my favorite movies of all time. But I could still say, even though it's one of my favorites, I would still give it a nine because there's a lot of little plot holes and stuff. But there's still it's a fantastic movie. Yeah, I'd give it a nine too because it's like uh, it's it's it's. Perfect screenplay, but it's not a perfect movie. But it's pretty damn close. So not- I'd have to I'd have to go full full perfect score. It's, it's the perfect legit. movie. Yeah, that's legit. I mean, I respect that. Yeah, I, I mean, the whole it. universe is rich with lore, and mm-hmm. uh, it's just so much fun, and they're easy to watch. It's they're the perfect entertainment. It may not be the perfect movie, but it's the perfect entertainment. Mm-hmm. They're it's they're perfect Hollywood movies. Yes, I mean, they're well-constructed, the effects, everything about them, they're amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is what Hollywood is at its best producing. Oh, yeah. Great director, great producer, everything. Mm-hmm. All right, thanks, um, everyone that voted for this movie. Um, we're going to try again sometime early in 2021. We're going to give some break um, to try to get caught up with stuff, but we're going to try again and... and you know, first three or four sore months of 2021. Now, if you want more Back to the Future talk, we actually did record a Back to the Future Part 2 and 3 uh, movie club, but that is a exclusive to patrons on Patreon. So if you want more, uh, please become a patron for as little as $1 a month or $2 a month if you want more. So with that, uh, we'll wrap up this episode of Movie Club. Thank you all for listening. Bye. Bye, Bye everybody. Before this podcast wraps up, I want to thank my patrons. Thank you, Kano3D, Mr. Bengal5, and Kevin Winter for your financial support on Patreon.com. So that's going to be it for this podcast. Thanks for listening. You can find 3D or 2D on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Pinterest, Instagram, and more. Just look for 3D or 2D. Links are in the info box. If you want to send us listener mail, our email address is email3dor2d at gmail.com. Thank you for either listening or watching this podcast. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye, everyone.